Please stand. We're Romans 12, verses 14 to 21. And I'm only going to deal with a few verses here in this text. And I may have to just get rid of the sound here altogether. I think I am. Carlton said to me that I'm loud enough, so let me just go with that because this is distracting myself. So I turned it off. And it's just take the whole thing off, so it bothers me anyway. <laughs> well, we have a building here soon, so we pray that God's grace, we won't have to deal with this, and so I can't deal with this. And Satan is messing with me. So I'm just going to take it off and preach the word of God. All right, Carl, you can put the text up. Good thing God gave me a loud voice. Here we go. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with one another and do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own estimation and do not repay anyone evil for evil and give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as for it, it depends on you to live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. And do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. The grass withers and the flower fades. Maybe seated. Believe it or not, we are in our 10th sermon stemming from Romans 12, 1 and 2, which reads, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true worship. And then Paul says in verse two, do not be conformed to this age or this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of God. And this is kind of the, um, the foundation for which we are asking the question in our subtitle here, how then shall we live? How should we now live as believers, as followers of Yahweh, followers of Jesus, the Messiah? Should our lives be the same? If we've come to put our faith in Jesus, should we still act like we're in Egypt? And that's the question that we're asking in this sermon series. And we've done about 10 here so far. How should we then live? 
This question is really for every, not really, it is for every professing believer from every kind of background. It's for the poor peasant, the free, the slave, the rich elite and upper middle class. It's for men and women, the educated, the non-educated, the ethnic Jew, and the non-ethnic Jew, which are called Gentiles. I said it on last week and weeks before, and I will continue to say it, that genuine Christianity is otherworldly. That the church that we see, the community of faith and the family of God, that this is a supernatural entity that has been brought into existence by the power of God summed up in the gospel of God. And this is why Apostle Paul in Romans 1:16, for Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, the dunamis of God. It's the dynamite. It's the dynamo. It's the it's the nuclear power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew. And then Paul says also to the Greek, which is Gentiles. It is the power of God himself that comes to deliver us from the mighty power of Egypt. Only God's power can get us out. Only God's power can get us out of our sinful state of being. Nothing can do it. Not your good works, not your good help. None of that. God himself, through the power of the gospel, which brings salvation to us who believes only God himself can do that. The book of Romans was written around 60 A.D. by Apostle Paul. While Paul was in Corinth on his third missionary journey, Paul didn't start this church like he did most in Rome. He had never visited it, but it was his desire to do so. And we see this desire expressed in the beginning of his letter written to them in Romans 1, 8 through 12, where he says he was desired to visit them soon. The church in Rome was made up of people from ethnic Jewish background, meaning people who adhere to the teachings of the law of Moses. The church in Rome was also filled with a large group of what we call Gentile converts, non-ethnic Jewish people. Here I have in my notes, people who come out of paganism. You say, Pastor, what is paganism? Paganism means that they had not been tutored with the teachings from the law of Moses or the law of God, which was described by Moses himself. Therefore, they were pagan. Where the Jewish kids were being taught in the synagogues who God was, who created the worlds. Who knows what people were learning that didn't have a Judea, a Judah, an understanding of the word of God, of law of Moses. They probably believed the world was created by all kinds of stuff. This is where you see the Greeks myths and all of that kind of stuff comes out of that, like Thor and all of that, because they didn't have a biblical world life in view 
of God. And so therefore, they were called pagans. But in the church in Rome, all these people had been converted. And so what I want to make a transition to here is give you, and I want you to kind of go back in your vivid imagination. Here's this church in Rome who has Jews who have been saved, who come to believe in Jesus, but there are also all kinds of other people. And therefore, I want you to see what Paul is exhorting us to do here today, to see the context and the background of the social hierarchy that was in Rome and all around in the culture. And so I have here in my first slide the ancient Rome social structure and division. That's important to understand when we bring it into our here and now. First thing, there were different groups. You had emperors. That's self-explanatory. Boss of bosses. <laughs> they did what they want. Um, didn't start out like that with emperors, but in Rome, but it evolved into it. And basically, they were head of Rome, society, and the ruler over all Rome. They didn't really want to talk about them, but they were there, had to put it there so you could just understand just some of the social hierarchical structure that was in Rome. Next one, you had patricians. The patricians were the highest and wealthiest of the social classes. Just think of people like Bill Gates, rich folks. <laughs> folks that don't have to budget. <laughs> they can just write the check, throw up the deuces, keep it moving. That's who they were, aristocrats. That's another class. Third group here is senators, people who served in the Senate, and they pretty much like governors, they govern Rome. You see that with Pilate when Jesus was dealing with him. They're still wealthy, but they're not like the patricians who were like really wealthy. They're really the bosses, but these people are just working in the government. They do all this and that. And then you have another group called the Ecclesians, Wealthy people who had wealthy property owners who chose business over politics. They were a huge group, a huge class, and I would pretty much put these people like middle class. And then you have another group called, I think I'm saying it right, plebeians, <laughs> who were made up of the middle class, of the working class, and they make up the majority of the population. These people do not participate in the government. Men without substantial wealth who work for their living at jobs such as artisans, craftsmen, bakers, and etc. They were there. Next group. And then you had freed slaves. I told you before, Rome was made up of a lot of slaves. And so these were free slaves, slaves who had either been given their freedom or had paid for their freedom and now work for their living. And then the least of all, then you just have a slave. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't good for them. Generally, prisoners of war, been captured in war, but sometimes abandoned children who were owned by their masters. These people had no rights or freedom within Rome, and I want you to understand, when Jesus was here walking around for 33 and a half years, these slaves were there. He saw them. Got asked the question, why did Jesus just go to, go to the emperors and, and all the governors? Hey man, free the people. 
That's something to think about. Not, not my sermon here today, but just want you to know they didn't just come when Jesus left. <laughs> they were there. Slaves. And most slaves were captured in battle and sent to Rome to be sold. Slaves still got married and had kids, but their kids became slaves as well. Slaves made up about 25 percent of the city's population. So what you see, you see all these groups there in the Roman world or the Roman Empire and especially in Rome. The congregation of Rome had all these people in their midst, probably with the exception, and I put here, the emperors. I wouldn't imagine, can't find any history, none of them, except for Constantine. He comes later. We know the story of Constantine in uh, 320 AD. He, but other than that, uh, most of the emperors were pretty wicked, and I would doubt it if they were sitting on the word of God like you are today trying to hear a preacher. They were above that pay grade in their minds. But nevertheless, everyone, few in between, were in the midst of this congregation. But most of the congregation was probably of a poor underclass because Christianity attracted the poor in droves, as it still does to this very day. Christianity, it's, it speaks to the poor people of this world. It, has, it did it then, it does it now. Christianity does that. It gave women dignity. I think people don't understand this. Outside of Christianity, man, Christianity gives women and children dignity like nothing else. Women are, are dignified in Christianity. You ever go and watch and study what, what Muslim Islam do to women? It's, I don't understand why any woman in the world, I see women going in, in Islam, I'm like they must have done their homework because it's not a, <laughs> a religion that is very kind to women at all. But as you write and follow Jesus, women were all around him and Jesus loved them well, gave them dignity. So Christianity was a religion that was very attractive to the poor as it is to this very day. And so therefore it gave women, women their dignity in the world. I have here in my notes that was dominated by the unrestrained lust of men, as you still see to this very day. Now, with this background and context, Apostle Paul exhorts the church that has been redeemed by the grace of God and the mercy of God. And in view of the mercy of God, in verse 16, Paul starts out to live in harmony. Live in harmony with each other, which means, as Chad spoke to already, to be of the same mind. Paul says, live in harmony. All of these people groups that have been called and redeemed. And Paul said, in view of the mercy of God and what God has done, I want you to now to, to live with each other in harmony, to be of the same mind. Slave, free slave, um, 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 plebeian, I want you to all have the same mind. You got to understand, man, this got to be a powerful gospel to take all these people and to now to bring them to a place where they walk and step in harmony. And then Paul says, do not be proud. Verse 16. This Greek word means to have. When a person is proud, to have an 
arrogant, haughty attitude. Paul says to the Christians in view of the mercy of God that you are not to be proud. You are not to be arrogant and haughty attitude, high and lofty attitude, not to think of himself more highly than he should think, Paul says. Don't be proud, Paul says. He says, don't be proud. Don't have an arrogant, haughty attitude. Not to think of yourself more highly than you should think. Why, Paul? Because, say, because we are all of what we are. This is important. I'm slowing it down. Because we are all of what we are because of God's immeasurable grace. That's what Paul says in verse 3 of Romans 12. That you are not because of the grace given to you, each of us, not to think more highly of yourself. You see Paul Time and time again, coming back. Don't beat your chest too hard. But lift your hands up high if we were singing today. Paul says, don't make yourself to be above all, but to have a good estimate of yourself. Why? Because of the grace of God. And this is important because in a broken world that we live in, the social divide exists in ancient Rome, and the social divide exists in our contemporary times among the rich, the elite, the poor, the educated, the illiterate, the barbarians. As Sandy, I said, Sandy, when you hear the word barbarian, I was testing it out before I got it to y'all. I said, what comes to your mind? I said, when you hear the word barbarian. That's not a word. We walk around here in Fairfield. You barbarian. We don't call people that. So she says, you know, savage. Then you know, because I'm in the hip hop, not slid in goon. You know. <laughs> but in a contemporary sense, when the Romans called them barbarians, uncivilized, savage, illiterate, just out of control. And in a contemporary saying, this word would be the same thing. We would say thugs, hoodlums, vandals, uncivilized, crazy people. <laughs> and the Romans, the barbarians, you watch old Roman movies, you hear, let's go fight the barbarians. Because Rome saw themselves as a very elite society, highly educated. And so we see here in the text that it was social divide then. And there are social divisions now, and we see it among the educated, the illiterate, and et cetera. And people who have not been acculturated into the high society right now and educated into a social class or have the right clothing, we try to be very, um, you know, every now and then you see me with a suit on, could I get invited to speak places in the morning? I just don't want to change sometimes. I don't like wearing a suit, but I will wear a suit. I wear a suit at a funeral. Don't want to, but I will. I wear a suit at a wedding. Now, I used to wear suits all the time. Really did. I stand Had a bunch of them. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> all colors. Never had a pink one. Almost. <laughs> Big guy shouldn't be in a pink suit, but I knew guys that wore them pink suits. And so we try to be 
come as you are here at Urban Hope. But y'all know, y'all been to churches where if you don't have the right dress code, you will not be seen as being what? <laughs> Accepted? Maybe in the high class, whatever it is. I, uh, you know, I get a chance to preach in African-American churches. I'm not going to name the church. I'm not picking on African-American churches here. But I took a, um, a picture. I didn't have a tile. And I had a little jacket on. I sent it to the pastor. And I thought I, thought I was pretty sharp, you know, just a little shirt. I sent it to him. His church in Fairfield. And I'll never forget what he said in the text. He said, what is this? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, what kind of outfit do you have on? Well, he was basically asking me, where's the tie? Where's all the trinkets? <laughs> and I had to, and I had to preach that Sunday, and he, you know, he was going to put it on his flyer and all that kind of stuff. So I, me and Sandra had to go down in front of the house, and we had our iPhone, and I sat in the doorway. I had shorts underneath, but I put all this up top, had the bow tie, had the tie, had the three-piece, everything, and I took a picture with my face like this, and she took the picture, and we sent that to him. He said, that'll work. <laughs> It passed. And I went over there and preached the gospel anyhow. But I had to have that look. And so me and Sandra, we improvised. And so therefore, in our world, we see that. We see the caste systems that are part of the fallen world that we all inhabit. We see it every single day. And the fallen world, the fallen world that we all live in, Right now, the fallen world are divided into these caste systems of social hierarchy. Egypt breeds that kind of social divisions. These kinds of hard-nosed caste systems, you see them in every society. In Africa, in India, no matter where you go, in China, you see these caste systems that the world breeds. But Peter, too, Sister Sandra, Karen read it to you. I want to put it up, second slide. Peter says to us, I'm changing, how shall we live? And Peter is, is talking to the family of God, the church of God, God's message to us. And Peter says, but you are a chosen race. Stop. You're chosen people. You've been called out of Egypt. I know the world's divided. It has all of its caste systems. But you've been a chosen people, chosen race. And you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're holy means to be separate. You're different. You're not like Egypt. You're not like the world. You're a different kind of people. You've been transformed. You're a new creature in Christ. You, you're, you're God's people. You're the priesthood of God. You're a holy nation. A people for God's possession, Peter says. You've been called out of the world, chosen by God, called out of Egypt, out of the world to be a royal priesthood a people for his possession so that you and I may proclaim the praises of the one who called us out. God called us out. 
God reached down by his blood, his precious blood that he gave and, and he purchased us from the auction block of sin and death and decay. God purchased us by his own blood. He called us out of Egypt darkness. Darkness, the domain of Satan, Pharaoh, darkness. And he called us into his marvelous light. So Peter says, you're chosen people. And Peter says, you got to get this because I'm going to come back to verse 16. Peter says, remember Romans 12, 1 and 2. What's the foundation? Peter says, but once, once you were not a people bound in sin in Egypt, you were lost, blinded by the, the God of this world. We were all blinded at one time. We didn't know our right hand from our left hand. We were blinded with sin and we did the deeds of our father with the small f, Satan, the God of this world. And we were blinded with all of the evil proclivities and the deeds that he put in our heart to do. We walked according to the prince of the air. And Peter says, but once you were not a people, you were not born from above, born again. But now, he says, this is where you just see if you really see that's why I do like Pentecostals on this. Now, if I was at a Pentecostal church, they'd be running. They'd be like ready to go. I'm in a Presbyterian. Y'all, you know, but you got but you can still run if you want to. Ain't nobody gonna say nothing. <laughs> if, you, if you just want to run around the building, I'm just gonna say I'm, I may run with you. If you really catch this, he says, but you were not a people. I think it's hard for, for people to understand that as Peter is saying, but there was a time, I knew I can remember it, where I was just doing the deeds of Satan. I was, I mean, I wasn't that close to him, but I was close enough. You know, my heart was clicking with his heart. I talked his talk, I listened to his stuff, and I was fed up, I was being fed his, his, his deeds and what he wanted me to do. And so Peter said, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received, past tense, the mercy of God. But now, Peter says, present tense, you have now, you have received the mercy of God. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Because you have now received the mercy of God. And Peter says, I mean, and Paul says to us, we were not a people, but now we are the people called out of darkness. We received God's mercy and now we are the people of God. And Paul tell us now, all of us who have been saved by grace through faith. Now, Paul says in Galatians 3.28, Paul says there is no Jew, there is no Greek, slave or free. Paul said you're a slave, still under a master, 
or you're a free slave, you paid your way out. Whether you're a male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Very powerful verse. You should write it down. Galatians 3.28. Paul says, no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female, since you are all a one in Christ Jesus. In this Roman culture, the social hierarchy, the senators did not associate with the, the plebs or the equestrians, did not consider themselves equal with the peasants, the poor people. And the masters sure not and did not dine or eat with the slaves. That didn't happen. There was a social hierarchy everywhere throughout the Roman Empire. And this is why I keep saying you have to understand when we say this thing called the church. This is why when the church gets caught up and become conformed to the world, we feel the consequences. Part of what's happening now is because the church got co-opted in a time period here in America. And we got to own that because these scriptures were here back then. I'm not making them up what I'm about to read to you. It's not Pastor Harding is finding new scriptures in the word of God. You cannot. The world is about as divided as it's ever going to be. The church is what Paul Peter says it is to show forth the praises and the power of God. And so when the church gets co-opted and it begins to set up social hierarchies, we pay the price for that. So, Pastor, how do we get out of it? Repent, lament and say, God, help us not to do it again. That's what's happening here. That should have never been among the people of God. The senators, they didn't associate with the plebs. The equestrians didn't hang out with the peasants. And the masters not with their slaves. That social hierarchy was everywhere. But God says to us, I don't want that social hierarchy among my royal priesthood. Those that I have chosen to proclaim my praises, I don't want that social hierarchy among my peeps, among my priesthood, my royal priesthood. I don't want that. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We are showing people what God is like. And in God's kingdom, God doesn't have those kinds of um, social hierarchies among his people. Now, there's different leadership callings, but we're all one. And so Paul says in verse 16, instead, he says to the Christians in Rome and to all of us, he says, associate. You can put verse 16 up, Carl, of Romans 12. He says, associate with the humble 
or the poor or the lowly, meaning the peasants, the poor people among you, the undereducated, the barbarians, if you want to call them that, the slaves who are still slaves, both free and those who are enslaved to their masters. Paul says, I want you to associate with them. I don't want only the, those who, who've got their four-year degrees. You've gone to college, and you can just huddle up, and then when those who come in who don't, haven't been to college, they haven't gone that way, but they've been saved by grace through faith by the gift of God. God said, I don't want you just disbanding them. I don't want you doing that. I don't want you creating niches and, and pockets of different groups within my kingdom, within my church. He, so, he says, don't. Do not be proud. Lift it up. High attitude. Know where you come from. Know that you're breathing my air. Know that you are who you are because of my grace. You are, if you're breathing right now, five seconds, take a breath. That's God's breath. It's his air. <laughs> you eat food, it's his food. You drink water, it's his water. It's from grace to grace, from him and to him, all things come. God says, know that you are who you are because of the grace. Do not be proud. The world gets its, its adrenaline off who they are. I got money. Man, that's a rap world. Hip hop. Money, money, money. I am what I am. You're not. <laughs> You're a hater. You hate on me because I got money. That's the world's M.O. But Paul says, and God through his spirit is saying, associate with the humble, the peasants, the poor, the undereducated, the slaves, both free and still working for their masters. You see that in the book of Philemon. Philemon was a master and he had a slave who ran away. The whole book is about Paul writing to the master and preaching to him the gospel. And then Paul says at the end of the text, verse 16, he says, do not be wise in your own estimation. Paul is saying to us, that we should have a right view of ourselves by viewing everything, as I just said before, through the window of grace in God's mercy. This will minimize our thinking that we are. I got to go slow on this because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. How much time I got? OK. <sighs> by viewing everything through the window of grace and the mercy of God. Once you were not a people, once you were sinful, that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2. See, it's all over the Bible. It's God just keeps saying it different ways. All God's he said, I'm going to say the same thing. It's the gospel. That's why it starts off. Taste the goodness. First Peter. Go back to first Peter, Carl. Put that text back up. I'm going to show it again. Paul says, uh, first Peter, the first verse, first three. Oh, yeah, you got to go all the way out. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't in the slide. Because I want to show this. Then you can go back to this. The next one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Excuse me, guys. Here we go. 
See, Peter's saying, if you have tasted, past tense, you've tasted what? <laughs> that the Lord is good because the gospel is what the good news about God and saving wayward sinners. Paul, Peter said, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, that our God is good, you've tasted the gospel. You know where you were when God found you outside of your, outside of your mind. You was, you was wayward. You was crazy. We were all just doing our own thing. And God said, if you have tasted that I am good. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ and saving us. And Peter said, if you have tasted that, you got it down on the inside of you. So I chose this verse. If you have tasted it, you got it inside of you. You just know that who you are is because of the goodness of God. And so this black church said, ain't God good? And what do we say? All the time. Even when you get a flat top, ain't God good. <laughs> when you don't pay your bills, ain't God good. You can't outrun the goodness of God. You're breathing because of the goodness of God. If you didn't catch the COVID, it's because of the goodness of God. Some people died with the COVID. We're still here living, breathing, having church. It's because of what? The goodness of God. I don't know if I had it if I didn't have it. I don't even know. I said, God, you know... <laughs> You know, I'm a reformed guy and I believe God can number my hairs and surely if he can number my hairs, which I shave up every single day, he know the day of my death. <laughs> so God says, I'm still here. Thank you for your goodness. Now, I've been telling for the last few weeks, but I haven't been sleeping at all. I think because of everything that's going on, old sleuth foot coming up on my bed all the time trying to tell me he's going to kill me a heart attack. And I just say, oh, this is it. I want to make sure I get to say help, say bye to Sandy. <laughs> so all that thinking going on, I don't go to sleep. So if you want to pray for Pastor Hardy, pray that when Slewfoot comes, and he's probably going to come again and say, I'm going to kill you with a heart attack. And you just say, Pastor Hardy, plead the word of God, and you just go on, go on to sleep. So that, you, that's really happening with me. Four times this week. So back to what I was going to say. By viewing everything through the window of grace, in the mercy of God, this will minimize our thinking that we are socially better or philosophically smarter than anyone else and use it as an excuse to avoid associating with those whom we might deem of an inferior status. That's why if you read the Gospels, who did Jesus hang out with a lot? Sinners. And what did the religious folks get mad at Jesus about? Because he was hanging out with prostitutes, tax collectors. Tax collectors in that day was like drug dealers. Jesus was hanging out with the drug dealers. He's hanging out with them. And the Pharisees, the religious people, I like, mean, what are you doing hanging out with them guys? And that's what Jesus said. I didn't come to say Jesus being God. He said, I didn't come to say the righteous folk. You know y'all not righteous, but <laughs> I came to save sinners, sick folks, 
who know they're sick. If you understand the gospel, you will avoid this mindset. There are some people that I can't be around. Remember, your Lord was around them. You feel you may think they're deemed of an inferior status, less acceptable to hang out and fellowship with. So what Paul is saying back to Romans, he says, uh, don't be proud and don't try to avoid associating with the humble, the poor. This is the beauty of the church. I say it's supernatural. Bless those who persecute you. You can't do that as an unbeliever. There's not a person in here that can bless their haters. That is supernatural living, saints. Christianity is not of this world. It is otherworldly. We cannot bless those who persecute us. You cannot forgive those and not want to seek vengeance on them who have done you wrong. Christianity is not of this world. It is otherworldly. And this hanging out with people that the world would say there are nobodies. That's why Paul has to put it there. Carl, if you can go back to Romans 12, he has to put it there. Do not be proud. He starts off, don't be, you gotta get rid, you gotta address the pride first, because pride is the opposite. You know, God's grace can't, it comes to the humble, but he resists the proud. So Paul says, um, do not be proud, but instead associate with the humble. You got to add, why is he even putting it in there? Because Paul knows the Roman world. It was everywhere. I mean, when I was in the charismatic kookiness, some of it, not all of it was bad, but some of it, most of it was. They used to say, the pastor used to say all the time from the pulpit, who was to be around poor people? He would say, they don't have no faith. And then I hear Joe Osteen saying, you want to be around people like you. See, what they're saying is, you just be around people just like you. So if you're a smart person, you got all the degrees. So Joe Osteen would say, get around people who are all in that bubble. But what does the Bible say? Not what Joe Osteen says. Paul says, instead, associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own estimation. But hang out with people. And this is called the church. In this world that is passing away. That's why Christianity grew in Rome and grew in the, in the Roman Empire. People had never seen that. Slaves eating with the masters? It would have been like in 1930, black people eating with white people out in the open here in Birmingham where everybody could see it. How are y'all doing that? We're Christians. <laughs> We've been saved by grace, Mr. Connor. <laughs> Bull probably say, yep, and you're going to get bit by this dog, too. If I would have been there, then bite me. <laughs> get me to heaven quicker. <laughs> That's what I would have said. But y'all say, P.A., you're talking tough now. You'd have been running like everybody else. <laughs> Why is this important? Coming to an end. Some of y'all don't know this, but we preach it a lot. Because it's of God. Urban Hope 
number one core value is to remember the lowly, the humble, the disenfranchised, those that the world deem as nobodies. That's our number one core value. So I'm spending time on this. This is important. To being able to associate with people. You cannot do this with a, a worldly mindset. Because our Lord is bringing people. and He's going to bring more. And we have to have this heart of God to be able to just meet people right where they are. Everybody. The church has really messed this up in a big way. When I came into the PCA, I said, people said, well, people think, see, people thought we was just was going to just give our freebies. I keep saying, no, we're going to disciple, show love, have them here, preach the gospel to them. They're made by God. Why does it always take the easy way out? Because you know what it is? People don't want to do that. <laughs> but here's the issue. Our Jesus does. So how did he do it? And I say, how do we do it? We have to know that we were not a people, that we were not of God. But now we have received the mercy of God. And now Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, all of your life, how then shall you live? You live as unto him. You bless those who persecute you. You fight against pride because you know you are who you are because of the grace of God. You don't exalt yourself with a high attitude. You see everything from the view of God's grace. If you are educated, that's because of God's grace. You know how you know it's God's grace? Because it is God that holds your breaths in the palm of his hands. It's God that watches over you when you're driving on the highway here in Birmingham. And I'm telling you, these folks can't drive here. You need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Half of them haven't gone to driving school and they don't know right from wrong. And in a moment, your life could be snuff. Everything is of God's grace. There's no room to boast. There's no room for it. All you got to do is look every day in the news. I look at the news every day. Car accidents, people are dying. You don't know when life is going to be gone. God said, I control this. And when you think of that, that's, that's avenues of grace on your heart. And it just melts you. So when you're in the coffee line, you talk to anybody. I can talk to the homeless people. I know I ain't nobody. <laughs> I ain't nobody, guys. <laughs> I get to be over the mountain, mountain brook. I can eat in mountain brook every day if I wanted to. People are always trying to get me to eat. So I'm gaining all this weight. And and this is true, and this is, this is here. And Greystone, I don't know where I'm gonna be somewhere tomorrow, I'm on some golf course, I don't know how to play golf. 
Some guy going to make me go golf. Guy on Lifeline board, he calls me up. I said, man, I'm busy. I don't care. Hubie wants you out there. I said, well, who is Hubie? <laughs> Hubie is the executive director of Lifeline, so he wants me out there. I said, all right, Hubie. And I said, man, I'm a board member, so maybe, it's, you know, I go do it. Y'all know Monday's my day off, and I don't play golf. And the guy said, I said, well, I don't even know what I'm supposed to wear. So I said, I might let me borrow Chad's boots. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach him stuff has to be going to golf. But no, see, I can't even fit Chad's shoes. But anyway, I'm in these spaces all the time. Over there, eating good, Trayvon. Just eating, you know, I don't eat lobster, but you know, I'll be seeing other folks eat it, you know. And um, and all the time. God be watching my heart. Because it does. Test me out. See, see. You know, every now and then I get a phone call. I'm sitting there, you know, I have to raise money. So some of it is it's just fundraising. I have to do it. But God be watching to see what I'm going to do with it. Because sometimes I get a phone call and it's, it's not one of them big dogs. Just one of God's children. God said, what you going to do with that? Are you going to make the same time for them as you do for the guy who's worth a million dollars? Maybe more than that, in some cases. God's watching my heart. You see if I'm gonna stay true, being willing to be associated with everyone that doesn't have a five-star home. Or their language or their English is not up to that. And I have to watch that. And the way I try to watch that saints as your pastor, I go back to the gospel. I remind myself where I was. I too was lost. I too was a fatherless black kid. Bad English, no hope, no mentors, nobody. And God in his grace and mercy came and saved me. That's the pastor in front of you. How dare now that I've gotten to some little whatever people want to call it. And I forget where God saved me from. And that I don't go back and be an expression of Jesus' love to a lot of young men and women who don't know about this God and try to help them understand it, how much he loves them. That's what God is calling Urban Hope to. These parents that Sandra's going to have, they haven't been loved on. Churches walk by them. We can't walk by them. And we're not going to walk by them. We need all of us living in harmony with one another, not being proud, instead associate with the humble. And they could tell, they could feel it. That's where Jesus comes in our hearts. And we know who we are, even though we are smart degrees, we're good jobs, but we know we are what we are because of the grace of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the truth of your word that you give grace to the humble and that you resist the proud. Father, here today, we want to be a humble people. And we can only become humble, Lord, when we reflect and meditate on the fact that we were once not a people. We were once not saved. We were once lost serving ourselves. 
not trying to find peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these things that we try to do now is because of your grace. So, Father, all over the room, you know our hearts. You know where this sermon is finding us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. That you bind the gospel, the good news, as Peter says, that we if we have tasted. The Lord is good. And that he's merciful to the sinner, to the backslidden, to the wayward one. We would be moved out of that to not to be proud and not be avoidance of those whom would be considered in this world as zeros and nobodies. Because in your kingdom, in your economy, there are no zeros. There are children of, of the seed of Abraham, born of grace by faith, that put their faith and trust in you. In the story of the gospel, there are somebody because you made them in your image and in your likeness. Lord, make us a church, Father, here in Fairfield that will live out to your glory, the praises of you in all of these areas. United and across the board in ethnic, from the rich, to the middle, to the poor, to the least, that Urban Hope would be a church, Father, that would give expression to all of these things. We thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Chad, come on up here. I'm going to the back. Y'all can stand to your feet as Brother Chad makes his way up here to give the benediction. And I meet those need to shake hands with in the back.